1: Hey, it's Ron. This episode was recorded before I launched Politicology when I hosted the Lincoln Project podcast on this feed. If you have questions, comments, or advice, you can reach us at podcast at or find us online at politicology.com. Enjoy. Hello from the Lincoln Project and welcome back. I'm Ron Steslow. Before we get started on our roundup for this week, I wanted to let you know why we decided to change our name and artwork for the podcast. When we launched our podcast back in May, we wanted the name of the show to speak directly to people who might not know what The Lincoln Project is. So we decided to call it Republicans Defeating Trump, because that's what we're doing. But because of your overwhelming support for the podcast— and our mission to defeat Trump and Trumpism this November. Many, many more people now know about the Lincoln Project. So we decided to change the name to make it easier for voters who are looking for us to find the show and join our movement. From all of us at the Lincoln Project, thank you. Now, let's get into this week's roundup. On today's panel, we have independent political strategist Reed Galen and our captain on this voyage. Hello, Reed. Hi, Ron veteran ad maker, Republican media consultant, and author of the New York Times bestselling book, Everything Trump Touches Dies, Rick Wilson. Thanks for being on again, Rick. And political strategist and MSNBC contributor who has worked with President George W. Bush, Senator John McCain, and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Thanks for making the time again, Steve Schmidt. Hi, good morning, Ron. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's Rose Garden press conference turned rally, the coronavirus, and a drop in the stock market as a result of weaker than expected job numbers. So let's start with the press conference. On Tuesday, Donald Trump used what was billed as a press conference about the situation in Hong Kong to make a speech more akin to a campaign rally where he talked about a range of issues, including immigration, U.S.-Chinese relations, and Joe Biden. And following that speech... The Biden campaign spokeswoman, Kate Bedingfield, went as far as saying taxpayers should be reimbursed for abuse of funds for this spectacle represented. Steve, can you tell us about the history of the Rose Garden and how it's usually used by U.S. presidents and and why this in particular is newsworthy?
2: Well, it's just totally inappropriate for a president to use the Rose Garden for a campaign appearance. Just as simple as that. The Rose Garden, the White House, the Oval Office, this is the seat of executive power. This is the place where the president of the United States conducts their official duties from. It's not a backdrop for a campaign prop. And so in politics, the term Rose Garden strategy was coined during the Nixon race. And essentially what it means is that a president campaigns covertly by using the power of incumbency in the office and the backdrop in the settings to make policy pronouncements that have a political effect that accrue to the benefit of the president. But you don't stand at the White House overtly bashing your opponent because that's not his house. That's our house. Including the taxpayers who vote for Hillary Clinton or
3: Joe Biden. Well, I mean, I, I, it wasn't. Uh, Steve's right. The the tradition of using the White House and the Rose Garden is one thing, but Trump is you know, he transgresses over all of these things. But that performance was disturbing. It was awful. He was rat a tat tat like machine gunning through this list of culture war complaints that that. It read like the, you know, the 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 Steve Bannon, you know, Stephen Miller, Steve Bannon, Seb Gorka fantasy book, of you know the brown people are coming to kill you, and it was just, uh, it was a sign. I think it, first off, he was absolutely just catatonic. He was just rambling through the thing. But the second thing that really disturbed me was this is a guy who knows he's in really deep water and has no clue how to navigate out of it at all. Mm.
1: Do you think this was planned or did he just completely go off the prompter here?
3: Oh, no. Well, it, that was a, he was reading. A, he was reading from a document or, or on the prompter. I don't know where, you know, I, all I know is that he had a meeting with Rudy earlier in the day and and that little circle of of the nationalist populist types um, that was their wish list for the campaign.
4: No. And 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 I think just to echo what Rick said and expand on it, what we had heard was that someone delivered Trump an oppo dump on Biden in the Oval Office. He then had a one-on-one meeting with Rudy for 45 minutes, then told everybody we're going to go do a press conference and basically just had like his, his volcanic eruption of weirdness and ugliness um, because he just couldn't, like he needed to go out on the attack. And you have to understand Ron, that this is where I think this year is so dramatically different from 2015, 2016, or really up until the, you know, up until the beginning of the COVID crisis, which was Donald Trump needs the sunlight or the Klieg lights to function appropriately. Um, He needs that energy in order to keep going. And when you deprive him of whether or not, what metaphor you want to use, the sunlight or the oxygen of the media attention, um, he, he becomes, he, he shrinks literally and figuratively. And so what you see is that, Um, Now he's out. He's in these very prescriptive places. I mean, even when he rambles, he's still in the Rose Garden. Or you see what he he did with Catherine Herridge during his his interview with her, um, you know, where he's sweaty. He's defending the Confederate flag. He's, you know, minimizing the, uh, you know, the deaths of African Americans at the hands of police. Um, And so what you see is that he he not only is unable to communicate a message effectively, he also gets out of practice. And so when he when he does come in, he's sort of all pent up. So he has to get out whatever come whatever's sort of built up inside him is as, as far as poison is concerned, and he needs to get it out. And I think it's it's obviously, you know, if you read the New York Times article, um, they, they dedicate like one entire paragraph to a rambling statement that no one could ever make heads of tails of as a you know as a regular human being.
1: Yeah, I think what struck me as new was that he it, this was all written into the speech. And so Typically, for a Rose Garden speech, you would have official business conducted, and someone thought it was a good idea to insert all kinds of inappropriate material to this speech.
3: Well, that, that someone was
1: Donald Trump, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you if you you know, you can watch him, and this is this is one thing that there are no secrets with this guy, right? So you know exactly when he's reading off a teleprompter or when he's reading off a page because he goes monotone, he speaks very slowly. And as someone said, I don't remember who it was, it's as if he's seeing the words for the first time, which he probably is. And then, you know, when he goes off script and starts ad libbing because he stands up straight, he starts the inner, you know, he's more energetic, such as he is. uh, And the crazy comes out. The truth with Trump is always in the asides, right? It's always in the off script. Mm. We're likely to see more of them because, um, you know, look, Tulsa was a disaster. Um, From what we hear, they couldn't they couldn't get people to attend New Hampshire, uh, which was supposed to be, I think, last weekend, no matter how hard they tried. So he's got to have his outlet. As I said, he's got to get he's got to get out there and and yak at the at the reporters and fight with them. He's got to find some energy. He cannot sit in the Oval Office as much as he loves his Twitter feed. He can't do it. And so I think this is, you know, it'll be the it'll be the Black Rose Garden strategy, I guess.
1: Right after this event, Carl Rove appeared on Fox News, and I want to read you this quote and then, and then ask you to respond to it. Imagine if the president had been focused only on Hong Kong and only on China and had made the point about what he is doing to confront him. Instead, we had the 64-minute campaign event. Don't use presidential events as campaign events. Try to turn campaign events into presidential events.
4: Well, sure. I mean, that's, that's the power of the presidency. I mean, as we all know, you know, whether or not it was... Um, you know, being, you know, look, I was an advanced man for president Bush, George W. Bush. So whether or not it was, you know, at a small business in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, or a campaign rally in Rochester, Minnesota, you know, to the, to the naked eye, nobody could tell the difference as far as how it looked. Right. We had a certain look. We always had a message. We were driving. You had the blue goose, right? The big podium there. Um, we had identifiers to say where he was and what he was doing in those places, and the only thing that really changed was a who was paying for it, and b like how much crazy music we used. Did we use Hail the Chief for the official event, or did we use some sort of upbeat country number to bring him out? At, you know, at a rally. The problem here is that the, this guy doesn't distinguish between the two, mm-hmm. and we're out we're outside the bounds of normal campaigning. You know, we're somewhere between, um, you know, the the front porch strategy or the back porch strategy, as, as Trump would have it at the White House, and you know, uh, a, a sprint, you know, UK general election. Um, and so it just does not allow him to do the things that normally would allow him to get his people fired up. And now as we see with the internal, um, you know, chaos, that is his campaign, um, it's not going to get any better for him, at least in the near term. That does not mean he's beaten. Certainly don't get me wrong. Um, but it means that, you know, he is unable to push a message, et cetera, et cetera. I would also say it's fascinating for, um, a campaign and a, and a president who so decries, sort of, you know, uh, democratic norms and institutions that like they would decide that Hong Kong was an issue that they thought would resonate with voters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think it was supposed to be some sort of swipe at China, but again, he just so stepped on it so badly that it just wasn't possible.
2: Well, I think that there's a, uh, you know, there's a couple components to the, to the quote, right? So first off, like Carl's analysis is, is spot on, right? You know, imagine imagine if put aside for the second that an American president in a conversation with President Xi was told about the concentration camps and told President Xi what a good idea it was. Right. And so, you know, we have in the last day, uh, we have a condemnation about China harvesting organs from political prisoners that they kill to sell on an international black market in a series of crimes against humanity that are the equal of the worst excesses of the last, last century. But, but the incredible thing is that three and a half years in, you say, well, but if he did these things, then it would be, and I suppose like if I had red boots and a blue onesie with an S on my chest and a red cape and a yellow belt, then I would be Superman and I could fly. I mean, it's, The silliness of this is that he is so addled, so deficient, so unable to control his impulses. The idea that there's any capacity for him to function with any band of normalcy is as delusional a statement as anybody could possibly make right now. I mean, we, we, 150 thousand people in this country are dead. Kids are going to go back to school all over the world. Sports teams are playing. The virus has been eliminated in New Zealand. And it's not only has our government gone full banana republic, but the country is in the grip of some type of mass insanity where basic commonsensical public health measures have been politicized by a guy who tells us that there are such things as good Nazis and Klansmen who has stoked this cold civil war for all of these years in the season of death where parents are overwhelmed, have lost any control over agency in their life because nobody knows what's going to happen with the education of children The economy can't be open. So many dreams destroyed, destroyed by the combination of incompetence and malice and malevolence of this man. And he sits behind the resolute desk, the desk that Winston Churchill sat on the side of with FDR, that John Kennedy sat behind, that Ronald Reagan sat behind with a assemblage of products from Goya this is what this guy's doing in one of the great crises in American history it is as shameful it is as disp- as it is despicable it is as unbelievable a-, a spectacle as anybody could imagine but it's real and it's happening and the 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 country's in great peril because
1: of it The Trump administration continues to struggle in responding to the coronavirus. According to the New York Times Coronavirus Tracker, 40 states and Washington, D.C. have seen a rise in new coronavirus cases in the last two weeks. Over the weekend, the Washington Post reported that White House aides have been circulating talking points attacking Fauci's prior statements about the coronavirus. This list of supposed errors Fauci made included comments about the severity of the virus and conflicting advice regarding wearing masks. White House trade advisor Peter Navarro penned an op-ed in USA Today in which he criticized Fauci for his initial statements that the virus presented little risk, Fauci's apprehension for touting hydroxychloroquine as a miracle cure, and for, quote, flip-flopping on the use of masks. And then finally, on Wednesday, Fauci reacted to the comments in an article in The Atlantic claiming that these attacks were bizarre and nonsense. So, Rick, I want to go to you first, because the use of flip-flop as an attack on someone changing their position, certainly isn't new in politics. But how did we get to the point where learning more information about a new disease that is ravaging the country is attacked as a flip-flop?
3: Because the people in the White House right now are a bunch of stooges who are engaged in the worst kind of, of abuse of the American people. They are framing the, the, the professionals and the experts. Who understand pandemics are a shifting target? Who don't? Who don't wake up every morning and say uh, this is locked in stone forever? That the heliocentric model is real? Basically, they are they are driven by a, a, a frankly amoral and bordering on evil underpinning. They believe that the essential of Trumpism, and Peter Navarro is one of its great advocates the essential base of Trumpism is to delegitimize expertise. It's to delegitimize people Mm -hmm. who know what they're talking about because the dear leader is always right. You know, when Fauci, uh, he spent weeks fighting this quiet rear guard action against the president's complete crazy idea that we were going to, you know, inject Lysol into our veins or sunlight you know, it, it, into our bodies somehow, and 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 promoting hydroxychloroquine over and over and over again because these guys read it on some internet site, um, not because it was based in science. This is a really broader fundamental question in the era of Trump. Do you believe in expertise or do you believe in in Trumpian instinct and gut and what you like and 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 in Trump's mind, it always redounds to something even worse. Because Trump always asked the question, is he nice to me? Does he like me? Mm-hmm. That's the only mm-hmm. thing that matters in Trump world. Are you in the circle or not? So Anthony mm-hmm. Fauci tomorrow could invent, could, could discover a cure for COVID and the Trump people would, would slow roll it and they'd walk away from it. They pretend it wasn't real uh, until they could brand it with the Trump logo. So uh, you should familiarize yourself with the fact that Anthony Fauci and the CDC also have been sidelined. NIH and CDC have now been sidelined. The statistics for reporting on COVID cases will now go through Health and Human Services, run by uh, Alex Azar, who is a former pharma lobbyist. And and the comms operation there is run by a guy now named Michael Caputo, who is a former Roger Stone crony and a literal employee of the Russians. Rick always puts a much finer point on things than I'm ever able to.
4: But I would say this is that I mean, Fauci is an American hero. I mean, he's a, he's a bona fide American hero. Received yeah. the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest honor a civilian can receive from President George W. Bush, was someone who was at the forefront of the AIDS epidemic and trying to figure out how to save, you know, the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of lo- Americans lost, um, you know, as, as AIDS started rampaging through the country in the 80s. And has been, you know, he's, I think he's been working for us, for us,
1: for 40 years. Yeah, how many presidents has he served under six, during the same six presidents, work?
4: Republicans and Democrats alike, and everyone except for Donald Trump has seen him as someone whose counsel should be listened to, heeded, and and taken at more than face value because my guess is Dr. Fauci doesn't say something unless he means it. And if Dr. Fauci said something that it ended up being incorrect, it, it was because my guess is, is that the information he had at the time you know led him to a certain conclusion but as rick said because he's probably one of the smartest doctors in the country when he saw something different he said by the way this is now something else we should see right. and he's been out there you know i think he's he's understanding now probably you know to his credit he does not want to do these things but i think he now understands how he's going to have to communicate with this president and how he's going to have to communicate with the american people which is he's been muzzled by the administration Um, there is no COVID response from this government. There is no COVID response from this administration and there is no COVID task force anymore. No matter how many times they have Mike Pence go out and say, everything's going to be fine. It's not fine. All the stuff, as we've talked about before, that could be done, all the assets that we could be putting in place are sitting on the shelf while Trump, you know, lines up the cans of beans on the desk.
1: Isn't this precisely the reason that we insulate the expertise, the public servants who are tasked with carrying out the business of the government from the fits and throws of politics.
2: What's amazing about this is that Anthony Fauci is one of, if not the preeminent infectious disease expert on the globe, certainly in the top handful, worst case scenario. And the reason the American people are denied access to his expertise by the president of the United States, who's supposed to be in the business of protecting the American people, is because the president's ego is so brittle, so fragile, he's so broken, so dysfunctional, so profoundly mentally ill that he cannot stand the idea that Anthony Fauci has a higher approval level than he does. And the price of his ego is a lot of dead people. Not a car full, but stadiums full, stadiums full, mass death, hundreds of thousands of people because Donald Trump ego is bruised. It is extraordinary to behold, and we should never get used to it. It should never become something that we're desensitized to the The sickness, and it's sickness, mental illness, that's involved in that brittleness,
4: has turned lethal in this country, and it's wrecking the country. You know, Ron, that I this seems almost oversimplified. Yeah, but a government's first responsibility in return for its citizens complying with a set of agreed upon rules
0: Today. That's shopify.com slash system.
4: And if it cannot and will not or refuses to protect its people, then it has a legitimacy problem. Because if, if it's not going to do the basic functions of what government is supposed to do, why we trade individual, you know, unfettered individual freedom for collective safety. And I'm not talking about the Ben Franklin quote, but the point is, is that we're better off together than we are on our own. And what what Trump is saying with his actions towards Fauci individually and towards COVID more generally is you are on your own as Americans, as cities, as states, as school districts, you're on your own. I don't care. In fact, I can't care. It's not about me. So good luck to you right it's and that's and i'll tell you i mean you know rick and steve don't see me get angry very often but i'll tell you that through this whole process i have been through you know the stages of grief mm-hmm. and right now i'm like in the anger phase yeah right and i don't i'm never going to get to acceptance until yeah. the guy has gone yeah right yeah. but like to me i feel sure. like samuel l jackson in pulp fiction I am, I am becoming day in and day out more righteously angry about this because, as Steve said, people are dying. And what does he do? He gives sweat-laden, racist comments to a reporter. He spends 64 minutes in the Rose Garden rambling incoherently, and he sits behind the Resolute desk, the desk of FDR and JFK and Ronald Reagan and so many others, and hawks beans to own the libs it's it's just enough already it's enough already
1: it seems to me that the reason that other countries especially let's take south korea for example have been so effective at flattening their curve and minimizing the impact on public health among their population is that they have other mechanisms for collective action among the population and while We have far too many freedoms and liberties in this country to impose the kind of restrictions that other countries have on their populations. What we do have is the power of the presidency to unite the country behind a common cause. And absent that, we are left with chaos because there are no other mechanisms in the American system for uniting Americans behind a common purpose and asking for collective action
4: we there, there's a whole episode to do on how you know sure. how many freedoms or too many freedoms but I think that's the point is that you know we are a fed we are a federalist system we have a we have a defined separation between what happens at the national level and what happens at the state level and I think you're absolutely right but it was set up that way mm-hmm. so that one person, you know, would have to convince the populace that it was the right thing to do. Now, I'll also say this: that Donald Trump, within his purview as the executive, has a lot of authority to do things in the in the interest of national security. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which could be mandating masks, right? Yeah. Um, whatever the case might be, but I think your point is well taken, which is, you know, the presidency has always represented the national conciliation of of a very disparately different people we are not we are not a people like we're not french we're not german we're not italian right we we do not start with a a a shared sort of national background or ethnic background we start from the point that when you're born here or when you come here you're an american Mm -hmm. right um and that's a unique thing in not only the history of the world but certainly um in in the history of of you know nations and so i think you're right which is if Trump had said, we're all in this together, right? We wouldn't see, you know, Miami-Dade out of ICU beds. We wouldn't have a goon yeah. like Brian Kemp telling 15 counties in Georgia, no, you're not allowed to impose mask restrictions, Yeah, right? Um, but he refuses to do that because to him, you know, it's the, it's not about all of us. It's about him. And I was wrong earlier. It's about that, like, probably truly 20% of the country for whom they have that symbiotic relationship, right? Which is they feed off of him and he feeds off of them. And it's a negative like energy loop. Um, But he's never going to do anything to, you know, to deny them their quote unquote personal freedoms. But again, personal freedoms only extend to the idea that you're free to do what you want so long as it doesn't affect me personally, right?
2: I also I also think that it's a dangerous argument to take away from this collective experience that the problem is, is we have too many freedoms and therefore that this was uncontainable and uncontrollable. And the reality is, is the achievements of a free people, a liberty loving people are extraordinary over the scope and scale of American history. We are the leading math and science country in the world. Our our freedoms are a source of our strength, not of our decline. And the source of our decline is our imbecilic and idiotic president, um, who is just so profoundly unfit for the duties. And he stoked a cold civil war in this country. He's ushered in an era of insanity that's been abetted by some of the most corrupt and irresponsible corporations in world history, um, starting with the Fox News Corporation, um, that have poisoned the minds of the American people with a steady diet of nonsense. And we are where we are. We have a collective failure of citizenship to be each other's keepers, to look out for one another. But this isn't something that you can lay at the feet of A design flaw in the American system. This is something you can lay at the feet of the rancid, wretched man who we have the great misfortune to lead us through this grave hour of crisis for the country. And what it comes down to is that there's never been anybody who's been in a position of leadership ever, ever in American history who's failed as badly, performed as badly as as Donald Trump. And it's a combination Of all of his metastasizing weaknesses. It's the, it's his intellectual deficiencies, his mental capacities, his, uh, his physical decline, all, all of it, this toxic stew that has created a disaster out of whole cloth where none of this had to happen. But, but it has nothing to do with our constitutionally guaranteed freedoms. It has everything to do with the failure of our politics and when you look around at the abbots at the at the at the kemps in georgia when, when you elect fools into these positions who are a combination of of uh, uh, of of nuts and ideologues uh, the result you get is what you see you know, elections have consequences and you know, that's you know, that's we're in this moment now for the American people, you know, which is it's we're at the wake the fuck up moment because we, we don't have four more years to indulge this. Um, the country will not be able to recover
1: from it. USA Today reports that 1.3 million new Americans have filed for unemployment this week to bring the total number of people who have filed to 51.3 million since the coronavirus outbreak began. The continued jobless claims, and that's all Americans still receiving benefits, totaled $17.4 Rick, we've obviously seen a sharp decline in economy-oriented messaging coming from Trump and the campaign. Can Trump continue to say he's protecting your 401k? I mean, how does this fit into their their messaging?
3: Well, no, you really, look, one of the fundamental predicates of Trump was, you may not like me. You may think I'm rough around the edges. You may think I'm crude and amoral and scummy and weird and abusive and grotesque, but I'm going to make the economy grow. I'm going to make your your retirement secure. I'm going to be this this guy who fights for the middle class. But when it came right down to it, the, the lie was exposed from the very beginning of the tax bill. And I wrote about this in my first book about a lobbyist that I knew who was in Mitch McConnell's office writing the tax bill. And I said, so, hey, is there anything in here that's going to be a political uplift or for middle-class stuff? He goes, what the fuck do I care? That's why I'm here. You know, It took care of basically 150 uh, super high net worth individuals and the hedge fund and Wall Street banks, the hedge fund industry and Wall Street banks. And we're paying the price. We were unprepared economically. You know, We were on this stock market bubble and this idea that the economy had been somehow reshaped by Trump was completely put to the lie when for 3 months he pretended that covid wasn't coming. He pretended it didn't exist. He denied, he delayed, he deceived. He did all the the mendacious things that we know Trump will always do. When that hit this country like a hammer, the 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 economy has fallen apart. We are on the precipice of a great depression and we've got his moron daughter out there saying find something new. Well, oh, why didn't we think of that before the economy plunged into a black hole? Um, you know, just, to, just in the last hour, we've heard that there are 1.3 million new claims for unemployment. It's not getting better. We're in the second dip uh, of, of the economic numbers. They're going to end up walking into this fall election where, where you have to basically believe the con man when he tells you, oh, don't worry, it'll all be better tomorrow. The check will clear it's definitely going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. We are entering into an economic calamity that is in part because of Donald Trump's behavior during COVID, but it's also in part because he has been spending money like a drunken sailor. Look, Donald Trump has notoriously never been one to worry about debts. Um, And so we've entered into a period where his decisions, both on COVID and the broader economy, are going to cost us billions of dollars for for decades to come trillions of dollars for decades to come and it's been a disaster from top to bottom
4: you know for all of the talk about programs and policy you know no economic no 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 normal economy returns until and unless we slow the the rate of covid infection and we mitigate its effects nothing else happens there's no yeah. there's no fancy new shiny you know, economic program. There's no vision for you know the 21st century. The, the, the whole ball game is mitigating COVID. That's it. And until and unless that happens, no one's going to go back to work. No one's going to go back to school. Um, small businesses are going to continue to close. Um, people are going to, you know, we're going to start to see, you know, even more in you know unemployment spikes. Uh, you know, the the unemployment benefit, uh, as it currently stands, is supposed to is supposed to um, is supposed to run out at the end of July. Um, right now, you've got people like Mitch McConnell saying he's not sure he wants another big, uh, you know, another big package because he's worried about the deficit. I mean, this is that that argument is, I think, so indicative of the hollowed out nature of the Republican Party.
1: None of us are economists. So with that disclaimer. How do you all think this eventually begins to turn around? And i read, I think you began to get at that with the COVID response. But thinking well into the future, what what are we what are we looking for for the U.S. economy to to get back to where we all? Were? I think
2: it's a premature question. I mean, you know, the first rule of holes is when you find yourself in one, stop fucking digging. And so that's what we have to do as a country now. That that none of this. Has any capacity to 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 get better until uh, um, the moment you hear these words? ABC News, NBC News, CBS News, MSNBC, Fox News are projecting that Joseph Robinette Biden of Delaware is tonight the President Elect of the United States of America. The American people have repudiated Trump and Trumpism, and have sent him packing back to Trump Tower. He has been fired. And, and then Joe Biden will be called upon to greatness. This country needs a great leader to emerge. And we have to have faith that his life's suffering and preparation and the inherent goodness of the man his ability to empathize to care to love will begin to heal our land but this won't be turned around for years years and years we have a political class in this country that is filled uh, filled with fools Uh, from Kemp and Abbott and to the collection of state representatives we see popping up on television celebrating their unwillingness to wear masks in supermarkets or other places. And so the American people are going to have to tighten up their grip on the on the proverbial throats of the politicians who cause so much damage in this country. But the, the, the work that, that is ahead to repair from this um, is, is going to last probably, you know, for 10, 15, 20 years. You know, it, it's a lot easier to burn down a house than it is to build one. Uh, one takes minutes. Uh, the other takes months. And that's what we're looking at as we as we consider all of this.
4: Yeah. No, it's the it's the old uh, it's the old Sam Rayburn quote. Any jackass can kick a barn down. And it takes a carpenter to build one, right? We have, the most, we have the most egregious jackass in the history of the country sitting in the Oval Office at the moment. So um, the barns are going to burn.
3: Yeah, he's an, arson, he's an arsonist.
4: That's it. Yes. He's a political arsonist. And he lives for it. Just like, I mean, you go back and you look at Bannon, right? Which Rick knows a lot more about the guy than I do. He's a Leninist.
3: He right? says it. He's not, a he's Leninist. Not a, I want to burn it all down. Yeah.
4: I want to burn it all down. I mean that's that's so- sociological, government governmental, institutional destruction. That's that's what Bannon pushed for, and that's why Trump was a perfect vehicle for someone like him because he because Trump doesn't care. He's fine with it. It's fun for him, right? It, it's it's the Nero fiddling or uh, or you know, um, you know uh, the, the what's the 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 Peter Gabriel song about you know games without frontiers, right? It's just this. This idea that somebody starts the start, somebody starts somebody the fire and somebody else pours gasoline on it, except the difference is that Americans are dying and getting sick at, at the same time.
1: Going into this coming week, what stories are you going to be watching, Rick? I, I think one thing
3: we're going to be watching uh, in the next few days is the shenanigans uh, inside the Trump campaign, because um, I'd like to uh, thank all the Lincoln Project uh, team members, because we... Uh, we put a big one on the board this week. Uh, we, uh, I'm going to read the quote from the Wall Street Journal article today about Brad Parscale's firing. Drawing some concerns from Mr. Trump was a May advertisement from the Lincoln Project, a bipartisan group working to defeat the president in November. The ad suggested that the campaign manager was getting rich off Mr. Trump. Mr. Parscale has denied the accusations. Nevertheless, Mr. Parscale is out as Trump's campaign manager, and uh, we're going to be watching the chaos inside the, the, the Trump campaign because that is a, as my grandmother used to say, that's a bucket full of crabs, and they are all going to be fighting each other for power there um, when we know that the real campaign managers are Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, but they're going to have a lot of internal trouble in the next seven to ten days. As, as Reed and Steve can tell you, you know, when a campaign manager changes out, Um, the campaign goes off course very badly for about a week at the minimum.
1: Reed, what are you going to be looking at this week? Again, I I think
4: it's going to be a continuation of spiking infection rates, uh, for whatever reason, Republican governors unwilling to do anything about this, especially in Southern States. Um, we should also remember that, um, two things, uh, one that, uh, Donald Trump said that the virus would go away when it got warm in April. And um, we're now in mid-July, uh, and secondly, that his son-in-law um, and and number one uh, major domo, Jared Kushner, said that the economy quote would be rocking and rolling by July. Um, so you know their their malfeasance is only eclipsed by their incompetence, and so I think we're going to start to see this, and I think we're rushing headlong, uh, and I think it's going to be a horrible it's going to be a horrible stretch of days for Americans where we're going to have this convergence of. Um, you know, continually spiking COVID rates and increasing death rate, more joblessness and kids not going back to school right around like Labor Day. And I think it's going to be a brutal
1: time for Americans. Steve, how about you? What are you looking at this week? I'm looking at um,
2: COVID like everybody else. Um, I have three school age children and, you know, the reality that they're not going back to school. The. the, the, the loss of control over the ability to plan everything like everybody else is is something I'm acutely focused on. Um, be watching the the drama inside the Trump campaign also as the long knives come out for the new manager and the uh, uh, Lord of the Flies campaign continues continues to march on and un- unravel. Um, you know in a really dangerous hour for the for the country and the in the world
1: This episode was recorded when I hosted the Lincoln Project podcast on this feed. If you have any questions or advice, you can reach us at podcastpoliticology.com. And please know that even if we don't respond, we read every email we get, and we love hearing from you. If you enjoy the show, it would help us if you could rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ron Steslow. I'll see you in the next episode.